to the test today, Nat. All right. In what way? Because I just looked at my iPhone and it's completely cracked. Yeah, you were somewhat horrified when you looked at your iPhone. Yeah, I didn't really expect my phone to be broken because I have no idea how I broke it. Mm, So now I have to completely ignore the fact that I now have a broken iPhone, which is the most frustrating (laughs) experience. That is really a drag. It's a total drag, especially when last week I was thinking to myself, man, I really need to pop into that Apple store and get a new case because I lost my other case. Oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. Right. Yeah. So, of course, that's do you not Do you have replacement insurance on that by any chance? I think I do. All right. Well, you know what? Ask the question. Because if you do 100 it. bucks and you get a new phone. A and brand for, new phone? Yeah. And if you give them a little extra money on that, you'll get an iPhone 6. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I'm going to wait till that's the 7 what? comes out then. <laughs> well, so, so my son did that last summer. He went the whole summer without a phone, which was easy because he was at camp. Um, and, uh, and then when we called them, they're like, oh, awesome. You know, well, for X, you get this mm. because you have insurance, but for a hundred bucks, you can get the newest, greatest phone. Well, I wouldn't mind kind of taking a break from my phone. Oh no, you're going to become impossible <laughs> to reach. <laughs> Look, you well, guys <laughs> listening, I don't know if you've ever tried to reach Danny on short notice, but you may as well just go looking for Waldo. It's just not going to happen. This man is so good. And shutting out the world when he needs to get work done, which is really good for him. And, you know, for those of us who need instant gratification, not so good. We're going to cover that in another episode, how to reclaim your life. Yeah, which yeah by Danny Oaks. Yeah. Break so, your phone. But anyway, this episode is all about... Uh, also about reclaiming your reclaiming life. Reclaiming your life. But in a different way. And also giving something up that you thought was necessary but really isn't. To, to, yeah, I mean, so many people, you know, we may as well launch right into it. I mean, there are still so many people in the world, and frankly, including researchers, scientists, doctors, you name it, uh, who believe that carbohydrates are a necessary nutrient to the human diet. And while it, you know, carbs are not necessarily all bad, and there's definitely a lot of things about carbs that we need to include in our world, they are not what we would consider an essential nutrient. You can live, theoretically, you could live without them. Some people better than others. Um, but when we look at the Maasai or we look at the Inuit, and yes, none of us are Maasai or Inuit for the most part, unless our podcast is getting way further than I thought. Yeah. Um, but for the most part... I, <laughs> wait, wait for those <laughs> emails and tweets to come in. Yeah, we're coming, waiting for the tweets to come in. Yeah. Um, we, you just don't need them. Physiologically, we can get by with very little carb in our diet. So what we're talking about here is that word that some of you have heard uh, popping up more and more these days in the zeitgeist, and that is ketosis. Yeah. And ketosis, again, it's a buzzword right now. A lot of people in the paleo primal community started talking about a little while ago. It, it is somewhat familiar to the people who have uh, experimented with things like the Atkins diet or low-carb diets, a slow-carb diet. But ketosis is a thing that's not going away. It's not a fad. And it's not new. It's not new. It's actually been very well studied and very well established in 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 you know uh, sci- clinical scientific studies uh, yeah. the highest level of study and also uh, through other other forms of sort of you know anthropological uh, research and, and other th- things like that nature but let's just get into what ketosis is Nat. so really ketosis is the state in which your body is burning is accessing ketones which is um, ketones for fuel instead uh, which is a byproduct of a fat. Um, in and fatty and burning fatty acids for fuel instead of glucose or sugar. That's you know the the most basic 
way to explain ketosis. Um, if from a health perspective, there are certain health conditions that are that seem to be vastly improved through a ketogenic diet, and those would include uh, cancer. So there's a ton of research going on around uh, cancer, and why would cancer benefit from a ketogenic diet at the most basic level because cancer cells we know feed on sugar take away sugar and you take away their primary nutrition so you're starving them of their main fuel pretty much and sometimes um, some of the research is talking about using ketosis as an adjunct to even conventional cancer therapy because you know the theory would be you may be able to be more effective with your toxic agents at going after a weakened cancer cell than you would against a well-fed cancer cell, like anything else. Yeah, and I don't think you're saying that if you give up sugar, you're going to cure cancer. No, 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 no. it's definitely a factor that's worth exploring yeah. um, in, in conjunction with all the other therapies that uh, I think one should look at in fighting something Absolutely. as serious I, as cancer. I mean, you listen to a woman, Dr. Terry Walls, who's very famous. She kind of burst out into the scene with a TED Talk a number of years ago. She was a woman who had very advanced um, MS hmm. to the point where she was a, she was confined to a zero-gravity um, wheelchair. I mean, she's, a, she's a medical researcher. She's, she is a doctor. And so nothing was working for her. She was essentially going to die in that chair. And so she turned that big brain of hers over to the problem. Like, how do I hack around this? And she ended up finding paleo, but then she took paleo to a whole other level and created what is now called the Terry Walls Protocol. Right. Um, so she's written a book. She's got a ton of clinical studies going on. Um, currently and since then, and she would say that I, I was just listening to a podcast with her recently, where she was talking about you know something that I was taught at school is that your body there's there are cancer cells in your body every day, mm-hmm. and your body's immune system overcomes that cancer every day when it's functioning optimally. So what she was talking about is saying even intermittent ketosis, even allowing your body to go into ketosis periodically. It kind of you're supporting your body's ability to overcome, to regulate to, to, itself. Yeah, to kind of regulate itself. And right. So I mean, again, it's there's no one answer for everything in any way, but certainly ketosis for cancer, ketosis for brain disorders like cognitive function, uh, is a huge piece. What's interesting there is the absence of sugar in our diets have become over. Run by sugar. We've talked yeah. about this. In the past. We're be, it's almost like beating a dead horse. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> this is the fl- this is kind of the flip side of sugar. At this point, we've said you know sugar's bad, sugar's awful, sugar's evil, sugar's this, that, and the other thing. And so right now we're exploring what's in room number two, really. Pretty much, pretty much. Well, you know what happens. You know you've done the the sugar squat challenge. We're going to get to the winner of that um, in a few minutes. But you've done the challenge, and, and, and you know why? why? Why do we challenge you to go without sugar for you know a week or maybe more sometimes? And it's because the body seems to really like being fueled by ketones. There's a lot of evidence to suggest that uh, your fuel source, like the the body's so cool that like you could feed it. You know the worst, worst fast food. Not naming any names, McDonald's and <laughs> gummy bears. Gummy bears. Um, and you know you can give it cigarettes and hard drugs and liquor, and it'll probably give you about fifty or sixty years of life. 
It's amazing. I don't know how actually, Rob Ford is, but basically you can become mayor. Just do <laughs> if you follow that recipe, you can become the mayor of Toronto. Oh, and gosh. right, the body's an amazing thing, right? So it's it's able to, uh, you know what it's like. Remember the uh, the 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 time machine, the car in Back to the Future. How yeah. it got fed garbage and then turn it, you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it's like you or can, MacGyver. MacGyver, right? You can like. <laughs> Yeah, like you could feed your body garbage and it somehow turns it into life. That's how amazing the body is. But what if you were actually giving it the most optimal fuel you could? And the example, another example, I always like cars as examples because they're the best ones. But, you know, you got a new Ferrari and you can choose to fuel it. Uh, you know, what, is, what do Ferraris take? They take high octane fuel. Mm-hmm. But if you give it the low octane stuff, it'll probably run. So it's going to look good and be fast for a little while, but it will break down over time whereas if you give it the proper high octane stuff which it's meant to be run on it will last you a way longer time and probably won't cost you as much to fix so this is kind of what ketones are versus glucose glucose fructose yeah and the difference being that the human body versus the car actually has the ability to repair itself if we just get out of the way and give it what it needs so you know so this is really this is Anyway, this is just a really interesting thing that we should all spend a little bit of time thinking about. It's not going to be the be-all and end-all for anybody, but I'm going to do one more. I'm going to talk one more topic on the health topic about ketones, which I find fascinating, and that is the effect of a ketogenic diet on the human brain. Um, And it more and more is being explored for cognitive and uh, neurodegenerative diseases like Like Alzheimer's, like Parkinson's even like Lou Gehrig's disease, I mean, which these are like big, bad, nasty diseases. And one of the things I was reading about is that when you're on a keto, when you're keto adapted, you don't have this release of insulin. And interestingly enough, the brain we know is a sugar pig. The brain needs... Say that again. The brain is a sugar pig. (laughs) The brain consumes 25% or 20% of the energy that your body takes in. And it's only little compared to the rest of you. So if you think about that, it's massive, like the amount of energy that it, it constantly needs, right? My brain today is maybe using 1%. Yeah, so we, we need to – you want more fat? I have more fat here. Oh, here. I brought you fat. <laughs> um, anyway, so so when you, when you take away the sugar, what else goes with the sugar? Insulin. Insulin in the brain. What's really interesting about the action of insulin in the brain – I mean, you need insulin in the brain for the glucose to get into the cells. We know this. But when you take away the insulin and you now are fueling with ketones, one of the things that Terry Walls talks about as well um, is that it seems that insulin gets in the way of the enzymes that clear the trash from the brain. Um, like those, pla- those, um, those protein kind of lumps that you see in Alzheimer's patients. She was talking about there's some studies that seem to show that the presence of insulin prevents the body from kind of clearing that stuff away. So by taking away the sugar, you take away the insulin, and now you allow the the brain to do its own cleanup. In some way, it theoretically makes sense because insulin is essentially a hormone of storage. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're yeah. storing, You're storing stuff. And so, and there's more stuff that talks about ketones uh, benefiting uh, neuronal growth. So you can actually, and this is what happened with her, where she was able to drive remyelination of her nerves right. by getting rid of Hashtag, sugar. Hashtag uh, talent, you know, talent code, right? Yeah, yeah, talent Myelination. code. Myelination. Yeah. Good book, talent code. Read it. 
Amazing book. Um, anyway, so so these are some of the health. There, there's so many other health conditions that can benefit. So, one that cannot is type 1 diabetes. So people who are diabetic do have to be a little bit more careful with ketosis, and people who are type 1 diabetics might not go there at all. So, um, so far, a ketogenic diet, good for overall health. Things like cancer could be addressed, mitigated, uh, you know, circumvented in, in many ways. Supported. Supported. Again, do your own we're not we're not doctors. We're not telling you what to no, do. No, we we're just, just we just play them on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. We're we're both Jewish though, so if that helps, I mean, you know, we're <laughs> yeah, statistically we both, more likely. But we both dramatically, you know, we disappointed our parents. We did not go to med school. True. Let's face it. It's not too late though. I'm waiting for the med school app to come out. You know when <laughs> when the neural implant when we're ready when our, when we topic. have that yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm waiting for that to happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So okay, I'm you're in. telling me to stay on topic. <laughs> wow. Sport. You know, and <laughs> so, yeah, so it's good for uh, treating illnesses. Well, I should say it's, it's good for certain illnesses, uh, metabolic metabolic disorders, things that are more serious, uh, mental clarity and function. Yeah, and certainly for people that are very overweight, uh, there's been, again, a number of studies that have shown that with the proper support, uh, removing carbs and bringing in good fats, which is often the missing piece, bringing in enough good fats helps those people because why? Because when your body is producing ketones, and we're probably jumping ahead here a little right. bit, but when your body produces enough ketones, it down-regulates ghrelin. And ghrelin is that hormone that actually tells your brain that you're really hungry. Think of grr, like your stomach is gurring right. because it's hungry. Ghrelin. Um, so if you're down-regulating ghrelin, all of a sudden you don't feel hungry anymore. And one of the other effects on the brain, once you hit the sweet spot in a ketogenic diet, which we're going to talk about, takes a little bit of time. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, suddenly you feel like you want to move more. Right, So you go from possibly being someone who's a couch potato who's constantly hungry and can't stop eating to getting to a place where you feel satiated more of the time and you start to feel the need to move. And then the more you move, the less you weigh, the less you weigh, the more, you know, and it becomes a... It's a positive feedback loop. It becomes a positive feedback loop. So anyway, so, so that was moving ahead to weight loss, which means we completely missed the middle point, which was sports. Right. Performance. So, you know, feeling good, looking good, and, you know, performing good, gooder. Optimally. Optimally. Right. And, and there's some debate over this, whether a ketogenic diet is actually helpful for sports or not helpful for sports. The answer is yes. Well, it's for endurance <laughs> sports. Right. There's, you know, for endurance sports, I have to say that I've been digging around in this for a number of months now. And as an endurance, if for someone who's an endurance athlete, I think you owe it to yourself to at least try it once. Don't try it three weeks before your next big race because that is a recipe for disaster. But, you know, for most people who do endurance sports, there should be some point in the year where you kind of pull back mm -hmm. a little bit, you recover, you restore, you replenish. That would be the time to reconsider how you feel your body and to start to play with it a little bit. Where there's a little bit more of a gray zone is in the the power. Um, let's let's sorts. let's let's talk about what what this means. Because okay. um, I, I think this is necessary to break down. Uh, again, sport is a is a big a great big. Thing. It's a great yeah. big thing. And uh, an endurance sport is essentially something that, you know, looks like long distance running, you know, half marathon, marathon, Ironmans, triathlons, triathlons, cycling. And, and yeah, so those things, uh, whereas a more like a power sport.
speed strength sport would be Olympic weightlifting, CrossFit that's done, you know, for anywhere from, you know, two to two to eight, nine minutes. That would be kind of in that bandwidth, so to speak. So those are those tend to be, uh, you know, the, the lines of which we, we address here. And uh, so endurance is really a aerobic fuel pathway. It's mostly aerobic. There are times, for example, like if you're running or biking when you have to pass people or climb a hill, mm -hmm. then you'll be anaerobic, meaning you're, you're going to be you're using, it. you're pushing it, you're going to be using uh, not, uh, you're not oxidative fuel that can be oxidized as, as, as your uh, fuel source, excuse me, yeah. right? So that's, that's what it is. And it's funny because it seems like ketosis really helps at least on a theoretical level, it helps those who are in endurance sports to perform better because at that point you're burning fat. You're not burning sugar. You're and burning you never fat. run out. You will not run out of fat. And, and you know, many people have heard this that you have about what, like three or four marathons of stored. You've got forty thousand. You've got days worth of energy stored in your body as fat, um, and then uh, whereas you know. Typically, a typical even a lean athlete can have about forty thousand kilocalories of fat stored in the body. That's that's a lot of fuel versus at most two thousand kilocalories of glycogen. So, which is at most a marathon. So, and that's for you know a good athlete. Yeah. And that's where the whole hitting the wall bonking thing happens. Yeah. And when you bonk. And those of you who've run marathons know this, not only do your muscles run out of fuel, but the biggest effect of the bonk is your brain, where you've run out of fuel and your brain just shuts down. Like it's, you're beyond the point where you can muscle through something. Mm -hmm. This is where they talk about, you know, you see these really good athletes walking across the finish line weeping. It's not because, I mean, yeah, they're sad that, that they didn't do what they wanted to do, but there's a physiological response to when the brain runs out of fuel completely bad things start to happen right. like you just and you start to believe that really bad things are about to happen so i'd say that from an endurance um for any and you know you're starting to see some big name athletes moving towards ketosis um as a way to fuel their sport and people like simon whitfield um uh, meb who uh, won the boston marathon a couple of years ago ostensibly at an age where he had no business winning the Boston mm -hmm. Marathon. Um, he And, you know, he comes from a culture of people running on sugar and corn. Right. Right? So there's a lot that speaks to also running on fat. Fat is actually a cleaner burning fuel than sugar. And that's the point we made earlier is that your body can use sugar as fuel. It can use fat as fuel. It could use McDonald's as fuel, whatever. You know, pick a fuel, but it'll run optimally on probably only one of those. And the the dominant culture in endurance sports has always been, uh, you know, about carbs, yeah. right? Carbo loading, pasta, yeah. and that's been lately kind of you know the, the books are being rewritten on that. The the example, Slowly. right? Like Dr. Tim Noakes, who literally wrote the book. Oh my God! And on he's carb there, there's a trial. <laughs> They're suing him. <laughs> right. And for those people who don't know, it's not necessarily get into all the details, but basically, this is the guy that for a long time wrote and and was the advocate for a carb heavy diet for anybody who's participating in endurance sports he literally you know got to the point where he he found the error and all that thinking he did a complete about book, face complete about face and he is uh, now a proponent of, of a ketogenic diet lifestyle for uh, health longevity performance 
which which is great because a lot of people are starting to come around. So just because the media or uh, some guy that you know uh, who's a runner tells you to eat a bagel before every race, um, which is delicious, and with a little lox and cream cheese, I would, you know, <laughs> stop I mean, it. Yeah. Oh, anyway, uh, <laughs> focus. You know, is is great, but will it get you the results that you want? Not only on on the field or the road. But in life. So, I mean, I think it's important to understand that what we're talking about here is what is the most optimal yeah. fuel. And, and it seems it seems that a lot of people are coming around this idea that a ketogenic diet for endurance sports in particular, in is, particular is very clean. In particular, is very clean. Now, you were saying something earlier. It does take a little bit of adaptation yeah. to actually get the effects of this. So, yeah, you wouldn't do this you know, a couple weeks out from a race because it does take at least two weeks to begin even adapting. Yeah, think about the fact that your machine – consider this. You know, your, your body has these little energy factories called mitochondria. And there are these little organelles that live in every one of your cells. And their job is to take whatever fuel and turn it into ATP, which is the energy um, – the energy component that your body uses, right? Yeah. The energy the currency. currency of, of, that's the word I was looking the cell, for. The energy yeah. currency of the body. Um, it's what makes muscles work, basically. So when you go, when you start to become fat adapted, what we consider fat adapted, all of it's almost like you're taking a, a factory and you're asking it to to be renovated because those mitochondria now have to become better, they have to optimize the pathways where they're using fatty acids for fuel instead of using sugar for fuel. They can do it and it, and it, can, and it absolutely does happen, but it takes time. So at the minimum, it takes two weeks to start to become keto, uh, to become keto adapted. But for an elite athlete, I would guess, and I've definitely read some things that would imply that you're actually, to get to your optimal, most awesome state, it's going to take a few months. It could take up to six months before all those pathways become optimized and upregulated, so that you're really yeah. getting good at burning fat. So I think for you know we'll use running as a as an example. Someone who's like a recreational runner who's chasing you know a sub four hour maybe uh, close to a three hour marathon, uh, you know not quite the at the elite status. They could probably get some significant results within about two to six months. Yeah, Someone who's easily. already a just a you know a beast of a runner who's you know well under sub three for a marathon is probably going to take a lot longer to adapt. They'll they'll, they'll notice that their performance suffers a little bit, and then uh, they'll probably have to you know bear with it a little bit to get to the point where they can really accelerate their performance. Most likely, yeah. I don't know that it'll take longer than six months for the elite person. If anything, See, I I've think heard, it might I've, take them. I've, less, I've heard. Now, I haven't been. But maybe to get back. Maybe that's what I mean. beyond their performance is exactly, what you're exactly. I think I think from from everything I've I've, um, I've heard from from people who actually um, are at these levels, and you know Ben Greenfield is one of them, and, and he's had a lot of people on his podcast. He talks about ketosis constantly. Did you did you see the article he wrote about that study, the clinical study he did with Dr. Volek, who's oh, one right, of the yeah. guys where they were actually they were doing the muscle biopsies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were yeah. doing muscle biopsies on Great this guy. Episode, yeah. Oh, it is the most. Um, painful episode I've ever read, but it's fascinating, yes. right? Because Dr. Volek is one of the authors of one of the books that if you have any interest in exploring this as an athlete or even as a, as a regular human like me who's not a super athlete, you would want to read one of 
the art and science of low carb living, which is the, you know, the every man's primer to the ketogenic diet or the art and science of low carb performance, um, which is more for um, targeted to athletes. And that book was written by two researchers, one by the name of um, Dr. Finney and the other Dr. Volick. And Volick is the one that was running the clinical trial where Ben Greenfield was having bits of muscle and yeah. fat extracted from his body while he was doing a three-hour psychotic. So all to make the point, these guys know what they're talking about. They've gone through the ringer uh, and, you know, they're, they're not just, you know, saying that Making it up. eating a lot of fat and not sugar is, is going to, like, they've actually studied it at a very high level. So just getting getting kind of back to the main point here. Yep. The, the idea that, uh, again, you don't need carbs to fuel yourself for elite performance in endurance sports. I think that's an idea that not only is becoming much more accepted, there's a lot of people at very high levels who are actually outperforming uh, themselves and others using this, uh, you know, using these ketogenic protocols. Now we're going to get to the specifics of ketogenesis and ketogenic eating uh, in a few moments, but we're just kind of setting up the benefits right now. So just, you know, stay stay on track. Stay uh, stay. Bear with us, I should say. So, but what about the other stuff? What about power sports? What do you think about ketosis for things like CrossFit? Yeah. So so there are people that have had some success in this world, but what they end up doing is uh, more of a cyclical ketogenic diet. So this is a world where they're going to be ketogenic a lot of the time, but they'll have days. So they, there's a couple of different ways of doing this actually. So in one world, you have one or two days a week where you're gonna refeed what we would call clean carbs. So you're not gonna have pizza, donuts, and croissant all day long. You're probably gonna eat a lot of rice and some sweet potatoes and some uh, winter squash and tubers, that kind of stuff. And th these are but all carbs, have these, but they're, they're, but all they're good, healthy, clean carbs. nutrient-dense carbs. So you're gonna do that one or two days a week, or there's another school of thought that says, uh, some of sometimes athletes can benefit by consuming maybe 30 to 50 grams of carbs right around those workouts. And they seem to feel that it helps them to kind of break through uh, the, the keto wall right. while they're working out. So for power athletes, I think that it takes a little bit more tweaking. It takes a bit more fiddling. So, And what would be driving these people would be to kind of want to have your cake and eat it too. You want the, benef the health benefits. I like what you did there. <laughs> I like what you did there. Yeah. You, oh, yeah, because you get to have cake. It's literally. Good cake, yeah. but you get to have yeah. cake. So you you kind of get the, the all the benefits of being ketogenic most of the time, but you kind of come out of it every once in a while to fuel the reality of your world. And it could be that metabolically you need a bit more carbs. Certainly for women in particular, one way or the other, we seem to need a bit more carb in our world just for hormone balance and to stay happy and to, to be healthy. So um, the guys like Dave Asprey who wrote The Bulletproof Diet, uh, he talks about this quite a lot and he very much encourages everybody, but women in particular, to for sure, for sure have at least one or two carb refeed days a week. Um, and he actually partners that with something called protein fasting, where you remove protein for the diet and you eat some carbs with good fats right. during the day, which and not going into this too deeply, but it encourages the body to kind of do a cleanup. And it seems to be really along the lines of that kind of ancestral intuition, 
Meaning, you know, yeah, if, feast if you, or famine. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. Like, you know, you come across a certain food and you're going to eat it for two or three days, uh, and then you're not. And and there'll be days of, of high protein, there'll be days of no protein, days of high uh, carbohydrate low. So I think it actually does on a very just common sense level. Yeah make a lot of sense. And it keeps your metabolism on its choice. It's kind of like you don't do the same workout every single day. Right. Right? You're forcing your body to adapt and to move and to shift. And in some ways here, instead of saying, okay, I'm going to eat carbs every day, all day, and every once in a while I'm not going to eat carbs, mm-hmm. you're revert, you're switching the tables on yourself. And right. what you're saying is I'm not eating carbs or a lot of them. And every couple of, every few days I'm going to re- Restore so that cyclical carb or intermittent um, keto. Sorry, that cyclical keto or intermittent keto training thing. You may not get all the benefits of keto, but you do. What you are doing is you're allowing your muscles to re um, to replenish the glycogen at the same time. So the only and and I mean I have to say here there's 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 so many fine details here we could never cover them all in this one podcast. But people who work out every single day definitely fall into that category of maybe needing a little bit of carb. But if you get to people who get into the world where they're only working out a couple of times a week, you know what? Turns out your bodies can can fuel the glycogen. We're going to get into how many carbs. Yeah. uh, You know, what's the threshold of carbs you can allow yourself in a day to still stay in ketosis? Yeah. Because it does differ from person to person. Yeah. It also differs from you know athlete to non. Because sure. in many cases, a, a, a high functional, highly functional athlete who is, uh, you know, could, expending a lot of calories on a daily basis can consume some more carbs oh, and yeah, still yeah, stay in ketosis. Yeah. But again, when you when you're in this ketogenic state, let's let's talk about the physiology and the the biochemistry, I guess, for for a second. You know what's happening in the absence of sugar. What what is exactly happening? These ketones are coming from where? Your liver. Okay. Your happy liver just um, takes the fats and turns them into ketones. I mean, you do get a lift. Your your total cholesterol level may, number may go up, but yeah. generally the good cholesterol goes up higher. Yeah, yeah. But essentially, what What's, happens where's the fuel is coming from? The fuel is coming from from fatty acids, right? And from ketones. so the fats that I'm eating, yeah, so are getting, good fats, obviously, obviously. right? Obviously, good fats that I'm eating and in a lot of cases a lot of people think a ketogenic diet is the absence of sugar it's actually kind of that but it's really the consumption of good fat it is Um, the only thing I would say to that though is there are a lot of people that go too heavily into that camp so and this again is jumping ahead a little bit but what's let's back up to answer the question your body is producing a ton of ketones which your heart is very very happy with your brain is, like sings on ketones. Your muscles, once they become adapted to burning ketones and fats for fuel, absolutely start to to rock it. Um, so you become, hopefully, what happens over time is, from a mental clarity perspective, it's like somebody's turned the lights on, right? A lot of people find that they're just much clearer running on fat than they ever were on carbs because you kind of don't get that food bonk. coma thing. You don't right. get the, the bonk. You don't get the... The slump after the meal. Yes. Uh, generally speaking, you just kind of feel fueled and you feel steady because what you what you've also cut out here, guys, is that whole roller coaster that you go through with sugar, and and why I think 
um, ketosis and intermittent fasting so often appear together is because you get the upregulate the downregulation of ghrelin and you stop feeling so hungry you actually don't need to eat as often and so in some ways while it, it is a fair amount of work and planning to get yourself there once you develop your systems and your meals and the whole thing it's very freeing because you're not bound to eat all the time I have a client who actually is um, an intern here. I mean, right when he came to me, this guy was eating no fat. If he did not eat every hour and a half to two hours, his life, he felt like his life was going to be over, right? So he was essentially constantly having to shovel coal into the engine to keep it going. If we can get him moving into a world of fat. Right. So you, you remind me, you're reminding me of a really great analogy uh, made by... Nora Gudgaudis. And why am I forgetting the name of her uh, Primal Body, Primal That's right. Mind, Beyond the Paleo Diet. That's right. So she was one of the she's early... She's awesome. I love her book. She's great. She's she was really one good. of the first books that kind of went... Well, oh. she, she was one of the early thought leaders in this whole Paleo Primal movement. And best analogy ever, it's like you know, you're starting a fire, right? You have your big logs and you have your twigs. Well, you know, you can keep on throwing those little twigs on the fire, but you're going to keep having to throw those twigs on the fire Think of all the over ash. and over. Think of all the ash and, <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's kind of, yeah, it just takes a lot of work and you got to find the twigs. Over. But if you get a nice big honking log, that thing's going to burn for a long time. It's a much steadier yeah. fuel source. Yeah. So obviously the little, you know, twigs are good for, for starters, right? Little, yeah. little, little things like that. But really the goal is to get that big log burning and to keep that fire sustaining. So, in this scenario, the big log is fuel from fat and some protein. So here's so getting into some of the finer details about the keto diet. It is not a high fat, high protein diet because why? You give your body too many proteins. But frankly, bringing up Nora Gudgaudis is very interesting because she talks about a very high protein diet being very problematic from a health perspective. Period. But certainly, your body will take. That's excess. where Atkins went wrong. Yeah, 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 and also, and plus, he wasn't that concerned with the where where things were coming from. Um, but too much protein, also, your body can is tricky. Tricky. Remember MacGyver. It'll turn protein into sugar if there's right. too much of it around. And and that's so, the and that's what's interesting is that, and I didn't know this for the longest time. I think it was just it was years ago. Rob Wolf mentioned something. That whey protein actually stimulated a insulinic response. Oh my gosh, man! And it yeah. blew my fucking mind. <laughs> it's like no, I put whey in everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so no way, and and <laughs> yeah, and uh, I was like, looked into it deeper, and sure enough, that a lot of protein will also you know trigger insulin and and some of the things that you you know don't want to be happening on a regular basis that also come along with sugar yeah you want your body to kind of take use protein judiciously and you also want it to recycle amino acids every once in a while you want you know you want to keep anyway if anybody's really interested in this perspective Nora Goodgaard does a good great one. job of explaining it so but well but it, I want to get back to another thing because yeah. yeah I'd like to leave people listening to this with some degree of a rough guideline yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's good here's the thing at the end of like just you know disclaimer whatever we're saying requires tinkering it will require you to test and retest to uh, engage with other people, engage with us uh, personally or through the internet, and let us know because 
I've, you know, both Nat and I have done this stuff for a very long time. It's always been... And we're, it's still a work in progress. It's still a work in progress, right? It's still yeah. a work in progress. You're always learning. But, uh, you know, just to kind of wrap up a few of the points that we've been discussing here, a ketogenic diet seems to be around 60 to 70% fat. Mm-hmm. Is that... It, yeah, so it's about calories? 60 to 70% of your calories from fat, maybe 20... Wait, hold on. Let's just let... let hold on, hold on. Let's let people just... Absorb that. Absorb that because <laughs> that is when you think of any everyone who's eating, you know, zero fat Greek yogurt, which is a travesty. Number one, uh, skim milk. Yeah. Skinny frappuccino latte. Skinny whatever's. cow bars. Skinny calorie free everything or, or fat free everything. Let's let that wash over them. That everybody a take 60, a breath. Take a breath. And exhale. Yeah, br- br- yeah. Air has zero fat, so no that's fat. good. Yeah. But sixty to seventy percent fat will actually make you leaner, stronger, smarter. If it's the right fat, so we can't stress yeah. this enough. Yeah. Big okay. asterisk. The right fat. It's got to be the right fat. So sixty, and actually, some people will go up to eighty, eighty-five percent of their calories from fat. Um, I would say that that range is largely going to be dictated by you. And the other thing I would say is that you can't go from a no-fat diet to a 70% fat diet overnight. You will have the worst indigestion on the planet. So for a lot of people, this is a process they have to ease into Mm -hmm. a higher-fat diet. Sometimes people need to supplement with some enzymes to help the body cope with extra fat. One of the really interesting things that we talk about is when you eat more fat, you're forcing your gallbladder to move more bile, which is an amazing thing, but it takes some time because if it's gunky in there, you have to support the gallbladder so that it's able to pick and, up. The and pace. in general, to become adapted to anything is well, it's a minimum physiologically, like two weeks minimum. Yeah, usually a little longer. Yeah, it just depends where weeks. you're starting from. Absolutely. So, so yep. Oh, sorry. Yep. Right. So yeah. I was just going to move over to protein then, but oh, okay. No, I'm still, Are we still on fat. On fat? Oh, okay. we didn't, we got to talk about fat. Yeah, like, you can't just because we we've been doing this for a while, but I think people are so uncomfortable with this concept. That they've been essentially told all their lives that fat is bad. Yeah, I mean, fat's even the word. Make it fat. See, yeah, fat's gonna make you fat because it, it's really just a shitty word because <laughs> the word is like two different things. And so when people like, it's logical that if I eat fat, I'm gonna be fat. No, it's actually completely logical. We need to rename fat something else, right? Like lipids or something, um, <laughs> because it's just it just suffers from bad, you know, false advertising. Really. Yeah. So it's got a bad rap. It's got a bad rap. So. Um, the, the the thing with fat, let's 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 go through some of the the good fats while, okay. while we're on this point. Okay? For sure. So, so the good fats are um, I love egg yolks are a beautiful fat and yeah, and the I'm, yellow and, so the, yeah, yeah, egg the yellows, yellow part. Right. So the one qualifier um, throughout this discussion is you have to take your food sensitivities and particularities into play. All right. So if we sit here and tell you that X Y. Egg yolks are a spectacular fat, and every time you eat egg yolks, you're running for the bathroom. You may need to do a food sensitivity test to see if your body has an issue with egg yolks. But that aside, egg yolks, coconut oil, full-fat coconut milk. Uh, If you tolerate dairy, butter, full-fat butter. Full-fat, grass-fed butter. Grass-fed butter. So I I had this conversation. I'm going to pause right there because literally yesterday – had this conversation with somebody who uh, said, "Oh, I started doing butter coffee." I'm like, "No way, cool!" Like, you know, are you how are you, where are you getting the butter Not from? It's like, 
<laughs> Basically, he's doing, you know, just regular butter. I'm like, no, you don't want to do that. Like, it, it's actually worse. Uh, you know, you, you want to use grass-fed butter because it has all the good fat. It has CLA. It has... Omega-3. Omega-3s, absolutely. So Vitamin those are, K. Vitamin K. Now, and commercially uh, processed dairy has all the stuff you don't want. So you don't want more of that. You want you want less of that and more of the good stuff. So grass-fed butter, again, it's a big one, right? That's what you need in butter coffee. Yeah. So grass-fed butter, if you can get it, grass-fed, full-fat milk. Um, I buy the, um, the, the milk. Yeah. The Keep bottle. going. Oh, sorry. little... Little glitch. Sound there. interruption. Um, yeah. I buy the the milk in the glass bottle. I think it's organic meadows. It's non homogenized full fat milk. So those are not particular. They're not. Those are not necessarily only grass fed cows. But what they haven't done is broken up the fat in the milk. So you mm-hmm. get that plug of cream at the top, which is quite delicious. Um, and your body is better able to process and recognize the fat in the milk when it hasn't been fractionated to the point where it's constantly emulsified. And we talked about this last episode. The more processing anything undergoes, yeah. usually the, the further yeah. away it's from being optimal. So more healthy fats. So we've got uh, – so the dairy, assuming that you, you tolerate it, uh, olive oil, extra virgin olive oil is a beautiful thing. Um, cold I, press, first press. Cold press, first press. Olives themselves are fabulous. Our favorite, avocados – and avocado oil are both really good fats to use. Um, did I say coconut? So coconut, yep. co- full fat again. coconut yep. milk, coconut oil, and and taking it to the extreme, which we'll talk about a little bit more later, is MCT oil, which is an extract of coconut oil. Um, so all those coconut products are amazing. Just make sure they're not sweetened. Um, the coconut milk you get in the Tetra Pak, unfortunately, is a very poor cousin to the kind of coconut oil you can buy in a can. I have to say my favorite brand is Native Forest because they are the only ones that don't line their cans with BPA. So, you know, in a, in a best case scenario, you want to go that direction. Um, what other fats? Let's see. Okay, nuts and seeds to a point. You don't want to overdo the nuts and seeds because they're also very high in omega-6. But some nuts and seeds, because they've got lots of great minerals and vitamins um, in them, are great. A little bit of those very cold-pressed, very clean, uh, like nut oils, like macadamia nut oil, walnut oil. You just have to watch it with those guys because they get they go rancid quite quickly. And so you want to make sure that you buy them in small quantities, in dark bottles, out of a fridge, and, keep it in the fridge. <laughs> and, that, and that's the thing that's important to remember with fat. When it's good, it's great. When it's bad, it's, it's the worst the thing. It's, it's, the, it's literally poison for your body. Yeah. It's highly toxic. Yeah. So you cannot, you know... Uh, you, you don't want to compromise on fat, actually. That's the one place. Right. When it comes to quality of your fats, you absolutely don't want to compromise. So now, and, yeah. And there's a good rule of thumb if you're at a restaurant, if you can get a uh, a piece of meat that is pasture raised, the animal is, is treated as best as it possibly can be, or it's wild, uh, then you want more of that fat. That yeah. fat is gold. If you're eating commercial commercially raised meat, you want actually in this case as the little leanest, fat. The leanest you, fat. Yeah, it, yeah. And, and and that's one of the little uh, hacks here because again, the rule of thumb, good, again, good fat is amazing. It's gold, but bad fat is not. So you want to you know you want to stay lean on the bad fats if possible, um, but again, you want to double up on the good fats. Yeah, bone marrow is another amazing yeah. source of fat. Obvi- and again, obviously, goes without saying, happy animals make happy fat. Um, your fats from grass-fed beef, 
chicken fat, ironically, not so good because it's very high in omega-6. Um, the fat that you get from wild-caught cold water fish, uh, so salmon, we did a post about that a couple of weeks ago in, yep. in, the, in the newsletter. Salmon's a great source of fat, but any of those deep water, cold water fish are um, ocean fish are a great source of fat, or sardines are great, mm -hmm. mackerel's really good. Um, not everybody likes that kind of stuff, but if you do, then you're golden because that's those are all great sources of um yeah if, if, you, if you keep your meat as wild as possible yeah it's yeah. great oh yeah i mean obviously if you can get your hands on venison or that kind of stuff if you can if kill, you have a bone if you arrow, can kill the boar before the boar kills you then you're in luck now, now we're talking paleo <laughs> that's what i'm talking about so um so anyway so so that pretty much covers the facts i think uh let's just get part. into so, some of the well i mean we got to talk about the bad fats and oh the bad fats well the other day, someone was telling me that they were uh, they were cooking with flaxseed oil, and I mean flaxseed oil in and of itself is not uh, the worst if it's not rancid, but that that is a problem. But again, sometimes you and take you know these... your flaxseed oil is rancid when it tastes it smells like paint thinner. Right. It should smell really mild and nutty. It's really yes. actually easy to tell good from bad flax oil. Well, and you should never heat it because a lot of people don't understand that oil has a smoking point. It's delicate. It's very delicate. So when you heat, for example, if you if you cook at high heat with olive oil, like you shouldn't really cook with olive oil. Like it should be a finisher oil, if anything. And if, if you do it, you're probably going to turn it rancid. So, you know, you can turn a good fat bad. That's that's the the point to be taken here. And on the other side, your, your vegetable oils, which are fats, Highly processed. Highly, highly processed. Get away. Uh, corn oil, soybean oil. Uh, canola. Canola oil. Safflower, sunflower. I mean, there are high oleic sunflower oils and safflower oils that some people, they're kind of in a gray zone. Yeah. I personally stay away from Might them. Might as well stay I away. Just, because I really, just stick to the simple stuff. Yeah, myself. like, yeah, cook, cook with coconut oil. You can cook with duck fat. You can cook with... Um, One of the things I tell people is, you know, like, they, people are like, well, what about grapeseed oil? Like, grapeseed oil is supposed to be really good. I'm like, have you ever seen a grapeseed? Can you imagine what you have to do to that little bitty seed to get the oil out of it? Yeah. So you really like, got to stop that the, thing. Just even the solvents that they have to right, use, right? right? They're like hexane. Like these are petroleum-based solvents. They're really bad. Whereas olives, you know, you press them and you squish you them and they get oily. Yeah, it's all good. and you don't have to heat it up. Cool. Well, I mean, since again, since this is a high-fat diet, you got to have good fats, and if you don't. You can turn this diet into something horrible if you're not careful. Armageddon. Armageddon, exactly. So, you know, what what are some of the other common mistakes someone would make on this kind of a diet? So one of the big mistakes that's quite common in ketogenic world is and and this which will segue us to the next thing, which is how much carb can you eat and what should you eat for carbs, is you know, you've, you've got a huge group of people that are basically pouring cream and butter and cheese on everything and eating a ton of meat and there's no vegetables, right? And so here's the thing, you need vegetables, you need the antioxidants from the vegetables, you, you have to have it. And again, a woman like Terry Walls, who has healed herself from an unhealable disease, right? Who looked at these diets and said, well, wait a minute, there's something missing here. Like my body can only go so long without all of these little micronutrients. And the reality is that you can eat a ton of leafy greens and never hit, go over 20 grams of carb. So the threshold for most people for staying in ketogenic state is about is around 50 grams of carb. Mm -hmm. 
around. And again, like Danny said earlier, if you're an athlete, sometimes you can consume more. Um, Terry Walls and Dave Asprey both also talk about using MCT oil on everything because that seems to buy you a little bit more wiggle room. So these are people that walk around with flasks of MCT oil in their pocket and in a restaurant, they'll whip it out and pour it on whatever they're eating. I've sat at lunch with Dave Asprey and he whips it out in a sushi right. restaurant and pours it all over his Kind of like a new era of Mad Men. Yeah, they're it's like it's this obsession, right? But it's but it's this, but it kind of buys you space. So around fifty grams of carb for most people. But if you're a high level athlete, some people will go to hundred grams of carb. Mm-hmm. Some people will go even higher than that. But they're now. What I'm asking is, what do I have to do to eat about a thousand grams of carbs a day? Because carbs are delicious. a thousand. Yeah, because I love bagels. So what? what do yeah, I have you're to do? not doing those anymore. I can't do any amount of burpees to get me. No. Okay. No, I'm afraid not. But use your carbs wisely. Use your carbs to give your body all those antioxidants and nutrients that it needs to be optimal. And again, carbs are not bad. Carbs are not evil. But but I'm talking kale. I'm balance. talking collards. I'm talking red cabbage. And, and red those are peppers. all carbohydrates. These are all carbohydrates. And then the ones you're going to be more judicious about are going to be the sweet potatoes and the butternut squash and the parsnips. What's interesting about greens as well in, in, in this kind of diet lifestyle is they seem, uh, you know this better than I do, they uh, actually perform best in the presence of fat. Absolutely. So that's why one of the most delicious things ever is like melted butter or olive oil on broccoli and a little bit of salt or asparagus and things like that, right? Like it, it, yeah. you don't need much. It tastes amazing. But there, there's something in the balance of the fat and the greens. They actually help well, with it, absorption. And, with the absorption of vitamins. So the right. fat-soluble vitamins in the vegetables like the vitamin A, the vitamin E, they need a fat carrier to get them to where your body can use them. So you need fat with your vegetables. Um, one other thing um, that's really interesting is that when it comes to those vegetables that are quite high in carbs and sugar, like beets and carrots, when you eat them raw, it seems that your body doesn't convert them to starch quite as efficiently. So if you grate some raw carrots and raw beets onto your salad and then have a nice high fat dressing with that, you get the best of all worlds because right. you get to access all those antioxidants and nutrients and while leaving behind the stuff, more of the stuff that you don't th- really want. Can I, is, can I pause for a quick recipe? Please do. Okay. My favorite dressing to make. It's easy. Tahini, which is sesame seeds. So you throw some tahini in a magic bullet or whatever your blending thing is. Tahini, lemon juice, some uh, garlic, salt, pepper. Mix it up and you have the best dressing. I, I like Ever. I put it on everything. I, I dip things in it. I chug it. I put it in flasks. It's so good. It's so quickly made. And if you want to Middle Eastern it a little more. You're from Morocco, so Paprika, speak. cumin, turmeric, a little bit of parsley. And if and to get it to the right consistency, you can add a little more water. Or if you want a little extra fat, you can I add feel like some we need to have a dressing oil. competition. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think See, you're you're all Middle Eastern and, and like funky. and I'm just like simple. Simple. I'm like Russian, like to the point. That's it. So both are good. The point is take either of those and pour them on yeah. everything. Most importantly is a good fat, right? Yeah, it's Some a good, good fat. good organic And the tahini brings you the calcium. Say it like a proper is tahini. 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 Well, that's it's not even my thing. I'm Moroccan Jew. We don't do tahini. That's an Israeli thing. <laughs> okay. I'm not Israeli, but I, <laughs> um, I, I know a lot. Um, so yeah, so dressings make the salad. At this point, your salad becomes a carrier for dressing. Right. Which is which has always like been my that. perspective, but yeah, that's just me. So so that's the story on carbs. Lots and lots of vegetables. Hit the rainbow as much as possible. 
eat it with eat them with good fat. Another very easy recipe that I'll give you guys now in two seconds or less. Cook up a huge batch of broccoli. Take a third of that broccoli, throw it in a blender. Um, add some grass-fed butter. Add some MCT oil. Add some sea salt. And actually, we need to talk about salt also. Um, add a little bit of apple cider vinegar and about a teaspoon of oregano. Give that a whir and then pour that back over onto your broccoli. It's honestly, it's like crack. There's nothing like it. It, me and my son were fighting over it. We do that sometimes. <laughs> so you, really yummy. Anyway, I'll post that recipe at some point so, in the next little. As a matter of fact, I may post it for next week's challenge, which is coming up soon. Okay. Um, but the salt thing I wanted to talk about, because when you go very, very low carb, if you do try to, to do this whole ketogenic thing, one of the things that happens is that your kidneys start to dump sodium and they start to dump water. So you have to be very careful that you stay hydrated. And you have to use a lot more salt than you think. And I'm not talking about Windsor salt. If you guys have been listening That's to us for a salt. while. The whitest of the white. Right. We're talking about the gray sea salt that looks like it's still kind of wet. Right. Right. Maison d'Orphée does one, which is actually not very expensive at all. You can buy it at Loblaws. You can find it at Whole Foods. Um, you could find it probably at Fiesta Farms if you live in Toronto. Otherwise, you can go online, Celtic sea salt. You're looking for the gray stuff. You can do the pink Himalayan. There's a lot of noise on the in the sphere right now about some people having found lead in pink Himalayan sea salt. So, you know, be cautious on that one. I haven't heard anything bad about the gray stuff, and it actually tastes kind of sweet. So some people will have even almost a teaspoon of salt in the morning with water. Right. To get, and that's actually really good for your adrenals if you're kind of dragging and been Ooh. really stressed out. Another, another good pro tip. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so that's carbs with a little segue over to salt um, and then protein, which I think we talked about already. I would say roughly 20% of your calories are going to be coming from protein. Um, right. I mean, we're talking for the most part this about is broad general strokes, very broad strokes. I think I think once you start getting into higher levels of performance, if you're a weightlifter and you need to, you know, keep muscle mass, then you play with those ratios a little bit. You might have to get a more protein, but I mean, maybe or maybe not. Maybe you do more BCAAs. It and, just depends. Post workout. Yeah. Here's the thing: we're not going to necessarily cover that too deeply. We're talking a little bit more about you know health, wellness, longevity. But for the most part, this can be platformed in any way that you want. And I mean, I'll talk about it a little because I've experimented with ketogenic yeah. diets for a long time. And to the point where I had two different, uh, you know, blood glucose monitors, <laughs> I I ordered, uh, you know, some of you are familiar with the Precision Extra, which is this little thing like uh, diabetics use it to test their to test their uh, insulin levels, so glucose levels. Yeah, it's the one. Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. Well, it was a different the version, Neo. the older version. I bought, the, yeah. So I have the Neo too. Anyway, point is, I had two of these things, and I was measuring my my blood ketones uh, sometimes three times a day. Uh, I did a couple of marathons completely on ketosis to the point where. I was training without any carbohydrates. I was running uh, the the races without any carbohydrates. So, what, all this to say, I can vouch for everything that you set up in the beginning. Is that I didn't feel hungry. Like mm -hmm. I wasn't reaching for Gatorade. I wasn't reaching for. I didn't take any gel packs. And 
uh, it's funny, but I, I felt like I could get up at any time and run. I didn't have any energy bonks. I didn't feel like I needed five bagels to get me going. Uh, my my mental clarity was really good, and I was testing my my blood well. It's the most accurate way to test, really, yeah. is to test your blood well. It's not that crazy, uh, but I mean, I'm crazy. But it was it was kind of interesting to to be able to see all this stuff connect, and I can vouch for the fact that my aerobic performance improved, mm-hmm. and I. I, I trained at a level where I knew when I was – when my heart rate – I would use a heart rate monitor. I knew when my heart rate was at about you know 60-ish percent of my, my VO2 max that I was in this aerobic fat-burning zone. So I would eat to maximize my fat storage and I would exercise to be in a fat-burning zone. So I found this to be really, really helpful. was lean, felt good. My – my day-to-day mental performance was great. Like you said, no bonks. Everything was really cool. Uh, some of the CrossFit stuff that I, that I began to do later on, I mean, I, I wasn't CrossFitting at a very high level at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was really just doing it to for, for metabolic conditioning and, and, and just to, to weightlift for fun. But I didn't really feel all that bonked out. Yeah. I felt pretty good. I know a lot of other people don't necessarily – uh, at the highest levels of CrossFit would, would need some carbs. But I, I can tell you that for the most part, it was like a really – I felt really great. It took – like you said, it took about two to three weeks to really get into the stride and the first two weeks suck. We didn't mention that. It can. It, it, the first two weeks can feel first absolutely awful. Suck. I Just for the record, I've been dancing the keto dance for a few months now and as of today – I'm full hard. Now you going feel okay? In. Well, no, I'm just going into it now. Like yeah. I'm like for sure, folk, there's no more messing around. Yeah. So so it'll be interesting. You know, in a month's time, maybe we'll we'll circle back. And yeah, I, I'll tell you, I've done, I think the longest stint of keto is probably I've done is was over a year. And uh, I, I felt really good. Like once you get into it, you don't want to stop. The issue is if you get off track, then you start to feel really shitty. Yeah, apparently as soon as you go back to like, you know, that first foray back into carb land can be a very unpleasant experience. Absolutely. The one thing I really loved was not having to be hungry anymore. And I didn't feel hungry. Well, that's what I talked about earlier. There's a, it's freeing. You're, you're, there's a freedom yeah. from having to constantly think about food. It's, it's right? really cool. Like I was, I remember, you know, you get into busy days and then you're, oh man, I haven't eaten for for hours and and I was like oh that's cool and then I noticed my friends that I would hang I was hanging with like they would say things like oh I'm starving which is like super dramatic because you're not you're not starving you're not gonna die but you think you are because you your brain's you not getting any glucose and right. it's like we're starving man we need food you now. Need those, yeah it needs those little <laughs> twigs right but I'm yeah. burning the log and I was like I felt amazing knowing that. I don't have to like be at the feed bag, you know, yeah. like it's not controlling me. It doesn't own me that hey, I can go for a few more hours. I don't have to eat. Like, do I feel uh, pleasant? No, I don't necessarily feel all that pleasant, but I can, you know, endure it. You lose your fear of hunger in some ways. Right. You know, you're, you're like, yeah, I've, I could probably eat right now, but I'm not. The other thing is it's a lot easier to pop a little ball of, you know, tahini soaked in MCT oil with some nuts and seeds and whatever that, and that, and that, than it is to have to eat a whole big meal. And that's what I like because I could pop into like a 7-Eleven or, or if I was on the road, hey, wait, I'm not for a Slurpee now. Don't give me that look. <laughs> I could pop into a 7-Eleven. Look of horror on my face yeah, right yeah. now. <laughs> no, no, just wait. Let me finish the sentence. Okay. 
and I could just, oh, you know, bag of raw almonds or whatever, natural almonds. And that would like give me enough juice for the next few hours. And I was fine because I was really great at, uh, I guess, harnessing those nutrients and I wasn't craving those aggressive flavors that, yeah. that sugar kind of provides. So there's lots of beautiful foods you can... Am I getting in? You're free to speak yeah. now. Okay, so there's amazing food. So, so here's the pitch, all right? The pitch is give it a try. If, if, if you're For even intrigued, I would give yourself a good 30 days. I'm starting a 30-day keto personal challenge now. If anybody wants to join me over the next week, let me know. And I'll bring you along for the ride. I'll feed you what I'm, you know, kind of the ideas and whatever information. Uh, if you're interested, if not, I'm going solo and we can talk about about it when I come out the other side. But yeah, there's a lot of foods you don't get to eat on the, on a ketogenic diet. But you know what? There are some amazing foods that other people will just die of envy that you will get to eat every single day. Uh, there's stuff like this ice cream that I brought Danny today, which is, uh, you know, this is right out of the Bulletproof uh, cookbook, which is this, it's called uh, Vanilla Get More Ice Cream or something. And it's basically... You gave basically, that to me yesterday, right? I gave it to you yesterday for your, that was your birthday cake. Um, uh, basically, raw Which eggs, I took right before I ran and, and I wasn't hungry. And you feel amazing? I felt yeah. good, yeah. Yeah. So raw eggs, butter, MCT oil, coconut oil, um, I use the monk fruit sweetener to sweeten it because, again, no insulin spike. It's good for your gut. You get to eat stuff like that. Um, you get to um, you get to make smoothies that have greens in them. But you'll actually you'll notice uh, in this week's newsletter there's a strawberry smoothie that looks suspiciously like a green smoothie, only it tastes like strawberries. I'm drinking it right now. Yeah. So it's got avocados in there. It's got coconut milk. It's got MCT oil. So there's lots of amazing food, but it does require some planning. It requires giving yourself time to kind of get your head in the game. Do a little bit of shopping, write down some lists, buy a couple of books, get yourself on, on in the boat before you can just jump in, right? And then you want to prepare yourself that for a week or two, it's like when you give up sugar and you've got a big sugar habit. You may not feel great. You may feel pretty crappy for a couple of weeks. But if you can break through that first period, and it may mean that you don't get to work out as hard for those two weeks. You may even take a break from the gym for a few days at a time just to get yourself through that initial uh, induction period, if you will. and But when you come out the other side, you should be pretty good to go. Um, there are certain hacks that we can use um, to help us through. We've talked about MCT oil quite, quite a lot in this, um, in this podcast today, and I would really strongly get yourself a good MCT oil. I'm a big fan of the Bulletproof Brain Octane. It's only the C8. Um, carbon chain of fats. It's a really good quality, very clean product, but there are other MCT oils you can buy um, in health food stores. Um, butter coffee, if, I mean, if there was ever a reason to follow any kind of eating plan, I think butter coffee alone <laughs> would be good enough justification. And then, um, and then there's things like super starch, which actually both Finney and Volick and even Ben Greenfield has it in his endurance stack. He's got uh, Generation You Can Super Starch in there. Um, and super starch is this engineered starch. So it's not the eat real food school of thought, but it is a very clean burning fuel. But what it does is it helps the body to get into fat burning. So that you can can be used whether you're ketogenic or not ketogenic. 
it actually could give you an idea of what is it like to run fueled on fat because it helps your body to break through those walls even when you're not in ketosis. Um, so that's it. I, you know, I think that mostly covers all of the things we were going to cover today. If you guys have any questions, email us, uh, stop us in the gym, send us a note, and we'll be happy to address them. Yeah, especially with those first two weeks. Uh, in, in my if you decide to go there, I mean, yeah, if you want you know, to, I mean, I would, I would, I would co-sign on that thirty days. If it, if you're going to do it, the thirty day mark is is a really, uh, it's a good time frame. You need two weeks just to adapt, and then the other two is when you really start hitting that stride. Yeah, you start to feel the, you get the benefit. You get the benefits. You, yeah. you really do, and until you see the benefits where you're thinking clear, you're not as hungry. Uh, you're not as stressed and you're lean even though you're eating a lot of fat, I think you start to be really convinced that this is a good way to go. The the now that this is the thing, you gotta stay you gotta stay in contact. You have to be with friends <laughs> during that first two weeks because you will really want to quit. You will have a couple bad days in there that will be headachey and you, you might have things that feel like the flu. The reason for that is the energy that your body was used to getting is no longer there. Yeah. So it takes a few days for your body to say, hey, uh, the troops ain't coming. I better fend for myself and I gotta take this, you know, I gotta start using fat as fuel. So in the absence of that, you know, fuel source, your body's gonna have to figure it out. It's not easy. So full disclosure, disclaimer. But if you have people with you and some of these hacks that will help, so everything that I just went over, MCT oil is helpful, a lot of fat, a lot of coconut oil. You know, even if you have to, grab some, grab more almonds than you would. Grab more or, walnuts. Or a tablespoon of coconut oil. I mean, yeah. listen, I'm, I'm, Snacks I most work, likely though, will right? do a couple of carb refeed days. I'm going to have to. You're going to do a couple during that? I'm going to have to because that is just going to be the thing that keeps my body steady. So, you know, and maybe what we'll do is we'll, if there's enough interest, you guys listening, if you're interested in doing a group 30-day keto challenge, let us know and maybe we'll pull one together and we'll formally do that as a team. You know, yep. we'll just get a group of people together and we'll do it just like the we've done paleo, paleo challenges in the past. Um, okay. I think that, you know, it would be a bit more challenging, but I think that we could all do it together and the springtime might be the perfect time to do it. Yeah. Anyone who's doing the open, probably not yet. But no, no, I would say post-open, not right post now. Open. Yeah, now yeah. would not be a good time. Absolutely. So speaking of uh, challenging things, yeah. Boom. So you're on my segue game. <laughs> um, so we, we did a challenge last episode. It was a one-week challenge called the Sugar Squad Challenge. And a few people participated online, so we definitely got you know some uh, some traction on that idea. But for those of you who didn't listen to the previous episode, uh, we asked if we asked anybody who wanted to to go one week uh, without any processed sugar, not all carbs, just processed sugar. So it's kind of a segue into this episode. And the winner of that last challenge, meaning uh, the person who posted the most interesting posts about this challenge, win, lose, or draw, was drumroll. Lindsay Praja. Lindsay Praja. If you're and listening, when does Lindsay win? If well, Lindsay, uh, if you're listening to this episode, that's the other thing. You got to keep listening to know that you won. We're not going to. We're not going to do we're not all chasing you. you. No, we're not chasing you. So either either listen to this or, or make sure people you know are listening to this. Lindsay, you've won. Uh, you've won five free butter coffees and bonus uh, a bulletproof bar, which are the most delicious bars I've ever tasted in my life. And they're a good fat, right, Nat? They're amazing. They're all they are. Those bulletproof bars, all they are is cashew butter, MCT oil, collagen protein, 
and I think there's a little bit of stevia. I think it's possibly the only food on the planet, sweetened stevia, that I love because they just don't use too much of it. It's amazing. Boom. That's all That's all I got to say about that or Nat has to say about that. Uh, so email me, danny at academyoflions.com. That's D-H-A-N-I at academyoflions.com, Lindsay, and just let me know that uh, – that you listen to this and I'll uh, email you your uh, your gift card for, for all these lovely things. Thanks again. So now let's get into our next challenge for this episode. This will be another one-week challenge, which uh, we're going to call the Get it, Green. Think, are we launching it on Monday? Um, when we, it, this when will we? be, yes, exactly. So this episode will come out. Uh, well, as you're, well, if you're listening to it, you know it's already come out. But yeah, let's say Monday, Monday the, the 22nd of February. Monday the 22nd of February. Perfect. And just in time for the open, actually. This is a good challenge. So you want to walk us through the Get Green Challenge, Nat? Yeah. So this is the Get Green Challenge. The challenge is essentially, the, and we're keeping these challenges really easy and simple, guys. So we're not asking you to do too much work here, but the only thing we're asking you here is to eat or drink something green every morning for seven days in a row. Uh, so why? Because it seems that people who start their day with something green seem to make better food choices as the day goes on. It gets your kind of you're putting money in the bank. You're getting your greens in early in the day and you're starting off your day with a nice nutrient dense, whether it's a shake or a bowl of broccoli or a bowl of kale, like whatever the case may be. Um, and it's part of moving into the world where we get away from the notion that breakfast always has to be sweet. Getting away from uh, desserts for breakfast. Um, although if you're making bulletproof ice cream, you could have that and it could almost taste like dessert. But we're not going to go there because we can actually make green bulletproof ice cream. If you follow me on Instagram, you saw that last week I made it with matcha tea. Anyway, I digress. Uh, so some of the things you could have for breakfast are... Uh, you could have avocado with your breakfast. You could make yourself a green shake. Um, this week's Lion's Head newsletter has a strawberry smoothie in it that actually is green, so it would qualify. Uh, if you don't have time or you don't have any greens in your fridge, you can, um, if you have one of those greens powders, whether it's uh, Greens Plus, Greens Plus, or um, Amazing Grasses, or Tim Ferriss's Athletic Greens, you can put a, throw a scoop of that into your regular shake and turn it green. You can use greens left over from last night's dinner. Um, See, I like that one. That's a right. great one. Make, make a ton Make, make a ton, a ton the greens. night before and just have them in the morning Absolutely. Um, with your eggs or whatever else you're eating. Um, See, and then you got greens and fat, right? And it's a beautiful thing or, or liver pate, which a lot of these guys are big into. But we can talk about that another day. Um, and then, <laughs> Sneak that in there. And then frozen kale. Frozen, frozen greens are like – it's like frozen berries in the freezer. It's like money in the bank. You're, you can never – they don't go bad. They just sit there and wait for you to need them. They're your, like your new best friend, right? So the hashtag, so you're going to ideally do this for us for a week. Take pictures of your green creations, post them on Instagram, use the hashtags, uh, hashtag green clean lean, um, and please, please tag at Natalie Nidham, N-A-T-H-A-L-I-E-N-I-D-D-A-M, like mother at the end, and at Academy of Lions, and that way, we know that you've posted, and we can pick a winner. So that's yeah, it. and we and the winner just say it's kind of like the slam dunk competition. It's completely uh, our call. We usually like yeah. the most entertaining, uh, exciting, voluminous. voluminous, interesting. 
even if you kind of failed, we might even consider you because yeah. as long as you got the point and you tried and you even had some fun with it, I think nutrition has got to be fun. It's always an experiment. If you forget to screw the lid on your jar and yeah. you give your smoothie a shake and end up with green stuff all over the place, that's an epic fail. What I'm thinking is like nutrition <laughs> challenge meets like jackass. Yeah. <laughs> and like if you can kind of do something along those lines, then I think you'll probably get a prize. Yeah, I think so. And we may actually, maybe what we'll do next time is instead of one big, I mean, we may have one super prize, but at the same time, we may have other little prizes. Um, it'll all we depend just gotta, on you guys. We just, just got to do whatever we want. You need to inspire us. Inspire us to uh, come up with the good prizes. So January 22nd, as of that Monday, something green every morning. Go. Fight. That's it. Win. Go fight, win. Okay, so uh, that has been an epic episode on ketosis and many, many other interesting topics. Um, anything At least left? interesting to us. Hopefully it was interesting to you as well. Um, I don't hope. I know. I, mean, I know, yeah. Right? Uh, I mean, if they're listening for this long, they've obviously... If you've made still, it this far, absolutely. It was still interesting interested. enough. Anyway, thank you so much for listening, everybody. And uh, again, don't hesitate to send in your questions. Stop us at the gym. Uh, anything that we can do to make things easier for you, that's what we're here for. Sure do. Okay, have a great uh, day and week. See ya. Bye. It's is Natalie Nidham and Danny Oaks. I can say my own name. Well, we didn't say it at the beginning. <laughs> <We> didn't say- <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. They'll know.